Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Something to Talk About. I'm your host, Randy Wartelski, and I thank you so much for joining us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. There are currently some 13,000 children in New York City and an undocumented number of children in New Jersey in foster care. Unfortunately, a small but increasing number of those children are Jewish, and as the need arises for them to be removed from their homes, their parents' wish is for them to go to Jewish homes. And there exists now an increasing need for Jewish foster parents, especially in New Jersey, to be on the ready to receive a child in need of their love and care, to give a child a sense of safety and security, if even for a short time. OL is the premier provider of critical social services to the Jewish community and beyond and is the go-to organization by the Administration of Children's Services in New York when it comes to foster care. Two and a half thousand children in 40 years have passed through the OHEL system, and now OHEL turns to you. To explain, talk about these issues, and tell you more about foster care and how you can help, we welcome Adam Lancer and Derek Saker, both of OHEL. Adam Lancer serves as the General Counsel and Director of Quality Improvement for OHEL. Among other things, he's involved in the agency's foster care and preventive care programs, both under contract with New York City's ACS. And Derek Saker is the Director of Marketing and Communications for OHEL, among other responsibilities. He is responsible for raising awareness of the diverse challenges in our community and the programs and services available to meet the ever-increasing needs. Adam, we'll start with you. What is foster care? So basically, foster care is a, an arrangement in which uh, when the city or the state determines that a child cannot safely remain with their parents, um, this child is placed into foster care. Children can be removed for a whole host of reasons, whether it's due to um, substance abuse on the part of their parents, a mental illness, um, sex abuse, physical abuse, basically some type of an issue that, that, that prevents the child from being cared for in a safe way. Um, when the city determines, or the state determines, the child can no longer remain safe, the, child, the city has the authority under the law to remove the child from the parent's care, and the child is placed into foster care. Uh, foster care is meant, it is intended to be a temporary arrangement. It's very important to remember it's not a long-term arrangement, a temporary arrangement uh, to provide the parents, the birth parents, an opportunity, a time to uh, to address the issues that led to the removal of the child. So, for example, if a, if a child was removed due to the substance abuse of their parents, uh, the agency works with the parents to provide them treatment, referrals necessary to address those issues. If it's an underlying mental illness which prevents the parent from care, uh, from safely caring for their child, the agency works to provide therapy and psychiatry uh, and other services to enable the parent to, hopefully in the near future, uh, provide care for their child once again. The goal is to, re- to a, a safe return to parent. Uh, in instances in which that's not uh, doable, in instances in which after time it's clear to the court and to the agencies and to the system as a whole that the parents are not able or willing uh, to um, to seek and to uh, to receive the help and to benefit from the help that's provided, uh, agencies look towards adoption. Uh, again, the children fundamentally should not be in foster care for their childhood. Foster care is a temporary arrangement, so therefore when a return to parents is not feasible, we look to adoption. Um, what is the typical range of time a child might spend in foster care? So it really varies. You know, We have children who are removed and go back really within a very short window of time, a month or two. Uh, and some children certainly could be in the system for many years. Um, it really depends upon, A, the nature of the removal, uh, the parents' rec- uh, recept- receptiveness of the parents to receive help. 
the age of the child and his or her needs as well. Um, the, the, the way children come into foster care, which might also provide a bit of a context for our discussion, is under state law, various professionals are mandated... Under New York state law. Under New York state law and New Jersey law. New Jersey is actually a bit more, is more expansive than New York, but certainly even the most conservative approach is certain professionals, uh, therapists, doctors, teachers, are mandated to report uh, suspicions of child abuse and neglect. They need not be certain. Uh, they have to have a, a reasonable suspicion. Uh, once a call is made, once the suspicion arises, they're obligated to report the case to the New York State or New Jersey uh, Registry for Child Abuse. The, the, the phone numbers are very prominently displayed on the, on the relevant websites. Uh, and then the state's obligated within a, a very short window of time to investigate. If the state determines a child's at imminent risk, the state has the authority under the law to remove the child on the spot, and then the child comes into foster care. And and then, then oh hell, and, and the other slew of, uh, of voluntary agencies in New York State uh, and in New Jersey, usually administered by the state itself, uh, administers and provides forced to care arrangements. So, wait, so Derek, yeah, you want you wanted to explain something about where OHEL steps in. Right. As, as, uh, as Adam said, I think it's just important to, to stress that um, OHEL only becomes in, uh, involved after the removal of a child, um, as in this case we're talking about. From so no one Jewish from home. OHEL would be involved in the investigation Correct. or the steps leading up to Correct. the point where the child... OHEL is not involved in any investigative arm uh, going into the family situation to determine whether a child should, should be removed. We only become involved once the child has been removed uh, by, uh, by the state. And how does OHEL decide where to place the child? So, um, uh, as mentioned earlier in the program, um, OHEL has been providing foster care since 1969. Uh, that was the embryonics of the agency of OHEL Children's Home and Family Services, where the reality then was that uh, Jewish children who were removed from homes were being placed in any type of home, whether Jewish or not. Uh, and there was an outcry within the Jewish community, um, and that's how OHO actually formed. So, uh, as I said, we've had over 2,500 children that have been placed uh, within uh, Jewish foster care. Um, I think one of the misconceptions also out there is that there's sort of this big home, and, you know, hundreds of children stay in a foster right. home. It's not. It's it's foster families that provide foster care. Um, and uh, even though we've had 2,500 foster children, we've had probably over 3,000 foster families because... Uh, Parents are trained to become foster parents, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they actually uh, ever receive a, a foster child. Um, they're, they're trained by OHEL. They're trained by OHEL. Uh, the decision as to where the child, a foster child, go is obviously based on the background of the child, the specific circumstances of the child, and then the, the shidduch is made, the match is made um, for a family that will obviously support and nurture the best needs of that child. So just because someone becomes a qualified foster parent doesn't mean that they actually receive a child. Um, our foster parents um, uh, reflect the range and the diversity of the Jewish community, uh, hashkafically, religiously, uh, geographically. We have foster parents from Brooklyn. We have foster parents from the five towns and so forth. We have a real range of foster parents. Um, to, to paint with a very broad brush, there are really two types of foster, foster families. Um, the typical type of foster family is generally a, a family that, that has their own children, um, and they believe that uh, bringing in a foster child into the home will immeasurably enrich that family's experience of life in general, and particularly, obviously, of their own biological children, where they believe that the uh, their children will learn a tremendous amount of chesed, of hakar satov to their own situation, and so forth. Um, the other type of foster family is, uh, to be honest, 
this very often uh, a couple who maybe have been struggling to have their own children um, and believe that this could be a possible avenue, uh, well certainly an avenue where they can provide love and care to a child, but could also be a possible avenue where um, uh, the, the, the foster child could be freed for adoption. Um, as Adam indicated, most, most of the children who, um, that OHO cares for are foster children in, in situations where the state um, decides uh, that the uh, biological parents can no longer um, uh, look after the child, that the child is then freed for adoption. Uh, and that is when, of course, an OHO foster family um, could become uh, adoptive parents. You mentioned earlier, and in a, later on in the show, we'll talk about how people can enter the process of applying to become a foster parent. But I, I want to bring you back uh, just a minute because it occurred to me when you're talking about how OHEL is is 40 years old, right? The organization, 43, yes. 43 years old. So 43 years young, I, yes. I say. Um, how well received is OHEL by the states, by the state of New York, the state of New Jersey, and how long... I don't know if you if you know the answer to this. I don't know how 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 long have you I don't have you been with OHEL, but how long did it take, I guess, for OHEL to become received by the state organizations? Well, well we we can certainly say currently, thank God, we have a very very strong relationship with ACS, New York City Administration for Children's Services. That's our our, our original original um, mission was again foster care, and our original government relationship was with ACS. Changed names over the years, but basically with Children's Services in New York City. Uh, we're really fortunate and really uh, proud of the fact that we've been rated uh, for the last, uh, well, they, they changed the rating system, but really for the num last number of years we've been, uh, by score, uh, one of the top rated New York City force decree agencies in the city, um, either by rank or by score. We're really very proud of that. That's something that we diligently work on. Uh, it's due to uh, various reasons, among them the tremendous support we receive from our board of directors. We're able to who subsidize a lot of our caseloads so our, our staff can work with fewer children, therefore provide a much more intensive and meaningful service to the children. And due to the fact that we look to hire uh, master's level staff and a whole host of reasons. So we're very, very thankful for that, very appreciative. So our relationship with the city is very strong. Uh, with In terms of New Jersey, we've had over the years a number of discussions with various um, high-ranking officials in the state of New Jersey. Um, and not the least of which is Assemblyman Gary Scher, who's really been a tremendous support for us. And recently, uh, the state of New Jersey, recognizing, to their credit, uh, that there is a dearth, a uh, lack of, of Jewish foster homes in the state of New Jersey, uh, has asked OHEL uh, to help them recruit, identify, um, and facilitate um, the uh, approval of, of Jewish foster parents in New Jersey. So should the need arise, uh, we have a ready pool. What's, what's important to remember is that Ideally, and really, just fundamentally, and 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 work and, and working wise, you 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 have to do thing. You have to have the a, for, a pool of foster parents available. If uh, a John Smith, a Shmuel, is removed tonight from his parents' home, you can't start scurrying and knocking on neighbors' doors and sending an email blasts to look for foster homes. You really need a ready supply of foster parents, like Derek mentioned, um, both religiously, geographically, um, who are available to meet the child's needs. Uh, some foster parents want boys, some want girls, some want children, some want adolescents. 
uh, and therefore you can't have three foster parents available. We have many, many more foster parents in OHAL than children. However, we still need a lot more because the needs of the children are so varied and so profound and so significant that you really need a, a significant number of ready and able and willing foster parents available. And really in New Jersey uh, is the area that we were, you know, we were asked to speak about today, but certainly in New York as well, uh, the need is, is significantly great as well. We're talking today with Adam Lancer and Derek Saker of OHEL. Um, I reached out to you to talk about this issue because I did, as a, as a member of a shul in New Jersey, did receive an email that OHEL was looking for foster families. And um, how great is the need in New Jersey? Um. Well, if, if I could just quickly talk in terms of the uh, the general situation, both here in New Jersey and New York, in terms of the, the question of the availability of, of foster parents. Um, we've, OHO has found it consistently challenging in finding uh, J- Jewish foster parents. And I think it's for a number of reasons. One, um, and obviously this is where your uh, program helps a tremendous amount, there's a uh, lack of awareness. There's a lack of awareness in the sense or perception that this simply doesn't occur in our community. That, uh, you know, maybe one or two children a year, but that, uh, you know, basically Jewish homes are functional and uh, everything's fine. And, and that's just simply not the case. There are a growing number of Jewish children who find themselves in uh, families of uh, neglect or abuse um, that require foster parenting. Two, and this is one of the challenges, particularly here in the tri-state area, it almost mimics the Yeshidach crisis, if you want to call it, is that there's a sense that someone else can do it. Um, uh, that within such a large community, when even when there is somewhat of an awareness, there's a general sense amongst many that, you know, Nebuch, you know, I understand it now, but, you know, I'm sure someone else can take care of the situation. Um, yeah, we, we run a tremendous number of campaigns in terms of recruiting foster parents, and one campaign comes to mind um, that we did uh, a few years ago, a very intense campaign, and um, we we got you know literally three or four inquiries from families here in the tri-state area, and yet we got uh, probably over a hundred inquiries from people in Chicago and Baltimore, Los Angeles, Sydney, Cape Town, and so forth. And uh, of course, so you're the- sensing that that sort of. I mean, I don't mean to disparage New Yorkers. I was born and raised in New York, but, but you're 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 bringing up that sort of New York mentality of. I, I don't have to step in because if I don't step in, there'll be somebody else to step in. Well, I, I w- yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily a New York mentality, but I think it's just a, it's an under- understandable mentality very often, again, within a large community that uh, people may very, very well identify that there is a problem sometimes and that there is a need, but there's a, se- a false sense of security that someone else will step forward. Whereas, uh, as the example that I gave you, in these smaller communities, there's a greater sense of if someone identifies that there's a problem, they think to themselves, okay, I'm going to step forward because who else is going to do it um the other the other question the other issue is obviously that even those people that do identify are aware uh, believe maybe they could do it there's a sense of um you know it's just too much work i mean how could i possibly you know become a foster parent and really right, i would imagine that people who have children of their own people who are you know everybody talks about the tuition crisis everybody's worried about putting food on the table and and you know a roof over your head um, I imagine that that's something, you know, aside from just the emotional uh, responsibility, there's there's 
there are just day-to-day responsibilities that people are probably very worried about. Correct. There's no, there's no question that 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 probably also one of the factors most recently, uh, in terms of uh, uh, dearth in foster parent foster parenting is the financial situation, the economic situation, where as you say, people are already um, overburdened with a tremendous amount of uh, financial constraints and so forth. At the same time, and, and Adam can elaborate. No, uh, not to, not to, not to interrupt, but just yeah. to, just to clarify, not to minimize all of that, which is all very true, but but this, the state and the city does provide uh, funding, a stipend, a monthly stipend to foster parents, which will certainly cover, hopefully all, or certainly a significant number of the expenses. And OHAL, not required, this goes back to, again, the, the mention of the Board of Directors' support, OHAL uh, customarily uh, has provided, uh, through fundraising dollars, um, augmented uh, camp and recreation activities for children. Many of the children go to camp. Why do they go to camp? Besides the fact that it's just they enjoy it. We want to normalize their experience as much as possible. As it is, they were removed from their parents' care. As it is, it's possible that some of their uh, neighbors and some friends in school may know that they were removed from their parents' care. At least let them go to camp. Let them be just like everybody else at camp. Certainly, it's a safe environment away from their, their home, away from the area where they were removed. Their peers at camp may not know they were in forced to care at all, so it's a normalized relationship for them. So there is some type of, there's a, hopefully a significant amount of financial assistance we provide. Other agencies do as well, although not to in any way minimize the fact that forced to care requires a tremendous amount of time and patience on the part of forced parents. And it's a it's a tremendous a tremendous act of chesed. Just just regarding specifically sco- <laughs> schooling. Um, in terms of the foster children, that certainly Ohil steps forward in. Ohil uh, works with the, you know, the numerous schools uh, that are involved that have children, that are foster care children, and through our own fundraising efforts, Ohil uh, steps in to, pr- to, to pay uh, the tuition of, the, of those children. So that's certainly not an area where you know, the foster children, uh, foster parents at least, are obliged to, 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 to pay the tuition. Um, I think one 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 other aspect, though, in terms of uh, this this underst- this misconception of uh, you know I could never do it and, and so forth, um, I think people maybe don't understand just the profound impact that they can make on a child's life, whether the child is in foster care for one month or one year or more. Um, you know, these children who are, who come from homes of neglect or abuse uh, seek you know the the, the 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 common and basic elements that we all do as children in terms of a loving and a safe environment. Um, and when they come from these homes, and they suddenly provide an environment of loving care and uh, and um, and sensitivity where they can thrive, it makes a, tre- a tremendous and profound impact on the child's life. And, you know, as we would argue, and as the, certainly as our record indicates amongst previous foster families, it uh, pro- provides a profound lesson for the for the foster family, and they are enriched themselves by the whole experience. Yeah, I uh, I want to talk more about the, the long-term effects and the follow-up on the, the children who live with the foster families and of course the emotional impact on the families as well so we're um we're going to take a short break and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back right here on something to talk about let's give them something to talk about something to talk about let's give them something to talk Oh my, 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 Robbie 
Welcome back to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski, and I'm sitting here with two very important gentlemen who are visiting us from OHEL today, and we're talking about foster care and the increasing need for foster families. So let me just cut right to the chase here, guys. How do I become a foster parent? Right, so uh, that's a great question. Um, once, I guess, an uh, uh, individual, a couple, individual decides that this, they're, le- they're ready to uh, really consider the process, we really encourage them to, to ask a lot of questions. Um, let me give you some numbers, and then we can discuss the process. In New York City and in, in, in New York State, certainly, uh, the number for OHEL is 718-851-6300. 718-851-6300. Uh, you can ask for Shelley Berger, but Sheva Berger. And in New Jersey, uh, 201-692-3972. And you can please ask for myself, Adam Lancer. And if you have, if you didn't get a chance to jot down those numbers, or if you have any questions, by the way, for Adam or for Derek, or any comments that you'd like to make about the show, you can always email me at randy at nachamsegel.com, R-A-N-D-I at nachamsegel.com. And I'm sure you could visit the OHO website if you need some more information on those numbers. Right. So for good reason, it's a, it, there's, a there's a process. There's, a, uh, there's a, a, a process to become a foster parent, which consists of a home study. Uh, staff will come out to your house to make sure it has the basic needs for a child, um, sufficiently safe, a bed, a crib, etc., etc. Um, there's a background investigation for good reason. Fingerprints, uh, check through the state central registry for child abuse, reference checks. That's the second main component. And the third component is training. Uh, the requirements in New York and New Jersey differ, but invariably uh, there are training requirements because obviously it's a tremendous, uh, it's a tremendous responsibility uh, to become a foster parent. In a lot of ways, and we say this at work all the time, the responsibility a foster parent has to their ch- foster child is greater than the responsibility a birth parent has to their child. Yeah, because I was going to say, you, you become a parent and you don't get any training right. when you become a parent. Right. And what is the training process? So in New York State, uh, there's a 32-hour training that uh, our, our, st- our staff uh, administer. Uh, which deals with the dynamics of a foster parent, the relationship, uh, educating them on the needs of the child, the expectations of a foster parent, working with the birth parent, the goal of foster care, which again is to facilitate permanency for the child, um, signs and symptoms of abuse, uh, reporting abuse. Uh, we're trying to provide them a, a very comprehensive context for being a foster parent. And also, you know, just to be very fair, uh, the challenges. Foster care, like being a parent, is not... Uh, all, all fun and games, um, and there are challenges. Many children uh, come with a uh, whole with a suitcase, not only a suitcase full of clothes, but a suitcase full of, of baggage, so to speak, of problems and of emotional problems, of trauma, um, coming from parents who might have, uh, as we you know, some bad genes, so to speak, with with psychiatric issues, mental health issues, substance abuse issues, and and the children. This evinces itself certainly in foster care as well. The older child gets certainly the more it may evince itself. Um, notwithstanding that, many of our foster parents uh, remain. Uh, they thrive. They, they, they find that the experience is tremendously rewarding. Like the popular saying goes, the, the giver oftentimes takes more than the taker. Uh, it's a tremendous experience for them as, as adults. It's a tremendous experience for their child. The children, their birth children, learn uh, tolerance and acceptance. And, and as Derek mentioned, tremendous Akhoros Atov, the pair of the children, realize that... Uh, that they're very fortunate to be in the home of a loving parent and that their foster sibling wasn't so fortunate. So just getting back also to what you said about the training. So your training would be specific to the child that would be coming into your home or 
a, a general range of, because as you said before, you could be a foster parent and then not necessarily become a home to a foster child for quite some time. So... Oh, right. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, there, I guess there are two. I guess there's a bifurcation of the training. The first, the initial training to become a foster parent, is not specific to any one child. Um, it's about the foster care system. It's about the needs of children in general, the goals of the system, dynamics of the foster care relationship. Once OHEL, or the state in New Jersey, places a child, a specific child with a foster home, then invariably the agency would really train the parent, educate the foster parents on the needs of this particular child. This child was removed because of the following issues. This child has the following educational challenges. This child has the following mental health challenges. Uh, and also at OHAL, and I imagine a lot of other agencies too, not only do the children receive therapy uh, as, as necessary, which unfortunately most times it is, but we also pay for and strongly encourage the foster parents uh, to go for therapy. Not to necessarily go for therapy for themselves, but to participate in their foster child's therapy to speak with the child's therapist, and the therapist also acts as a trainer. Uh, so that's a, it's a, For the parent. For the parent, for the foster parent. So it's an integration of the agency's work, the foster parent's work, the birth parent's work, and the child's therapy as well. We're all on the same page. The goal, again, of all of us is to, is to facilitate permanency for the child. What um, typically is the relationship between, because you keep talking about the birth parent, what typically is the relationship between the birth parent and the foster parent? Oh, also a very great question. Uh, over the years, the city, New York City, and I imagine New, York, New Jersey as well, has moved towards a greater integration between the work of the foster parents and the birth parents. Uh, we encourage as, as appropriate. Now, there are times that it's just downright not appropriate, but there are often times that there are times where it is appropriate, uh, a, a, a amenable, a working relationship between the birth and the foster parents. We've had foster parents who have acted as big brother, big sisters, or mentors for the birth parents, mentoring on discipline, mentoring on uh, household, running a household, which I can also benefit from as well, um, mentoring on how to appropriately interact with the schools and with the therapists of the child in a non-confrontational way. Uh, so the birth foster parents, ideally, and as a practical matter, really look to look to mentor the birth parents, and that's a tremendous act of chesed on their part. On the one hand, they have a tremendous bond with the child; on the other hand, they're really working to have the child leave their home which I imagine has a lot of ambivalent feelings, but yet right. they realize, the foster parents realize fundamentally, like we stressed, that foster care is a temporary arrangement. It does sometimes lead to adoption, but certainly it oftentimes does lead to permanency on the half of the, uh, the child. Does OHEL then work with the birth parent during the time that the child is not in their home? Oh, actively. I mean, one of our greatest responsibilities and requirements is to work with the birth parents uh, to address the issues that led to the removal of their child. So as I mentioned earlier, if a, ch if a birth child uh, comes into care because his parent is abusing uh, drugs, uh, we work actively to find an appropriate uh, substance abuse treatment program. If it's a mental illness, we actively look to find a therapy and a psychiatrist. So we, are, we, work, we work concurrently with the birth parent to address his or her needs and also with the child to address his or her needs as well and with the foster parent concurrently. I think it's I think it's important just to bear in mind um, that the foster parents that come forward are not miracle workers. They're not especially unique. They are people just like you and I. They're not amazing in who they are. They're amazing in what they do. Uh, in other words, these are all people, uh, typical people like you and I, um, but who share um, a determination to provide a loving home to to a, to a child in need. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. That they're amazing in what they do. 
Correct. And I think without wanting to sound too melodramatic, I was thinking of the analogy of, um, you know, it's like the, you know, the, the, the select group of people who have been to space you know, and, have, and have seen planet Earth from way above. You know, when they get together, they share a, a sense of awe, a sense of humility that no one else can share. And, you know, we have uh, various uh, meetings and uh, simchas during the year where our foster parents get together. And it, and it, 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 it is that select group when they get together they share a, a, a an understanding of life they sh they share an understanding of self-sacrifice and very importantly they, they they share a sense of, of achievement that no other families can right. in terms of their dedication and, and, and reaching out to help to helping a child um, the, there's a I remember one of our foster parents once said that um, you know a biological child grows in the womb um, and a foster child grows in the heart and, and it's wow. so and it's so true and um, it's not only the um, it's not only obviously the the foster parents that are affected, but also the the biological children. And yes, as as Adam correctly states, um, th that is a challenge in itself. And part of the training that OHU provides is obviously looking at those uh, existing relationships and the impact that a foster child will have and does have, and then uh, on the on the biological siblings. But in time and time again. Um, uh, with foster, with fostering, and where there are biological children, uh, we see that relationships that, that are developed for a lifetime, where these uh, siblings are are very often seen as blood relatives, um, and uh, where we have foster parents who have walked uh, former foster children down the aisle. So these are relationships that are um, that are nurtured and and that generally last a, a lifetime. How particular can a parent be about a, a potential foster parent be about what kind of child they would receive? So, so we work we work as as we should, and as I imagine all agencies would, to really make the right shidduch. It's not to anybody's benefit to place a child who already was removed from his parents' care or her parents' care, and place them with a foster parent who has basically told us that they're not interested in caring for that type of child. So we 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 do a diligent. Uh, discussion, diligent home study with the parents to find out, again, some parents are looking for a boy, some for a girl. Uh, and so foster, par foster parents can be quite descriptive. We encourage them to be as expansive as possible because obviously if it's a seven-year-old boy with seven-year-old four-month boy who's from a certain part of Queens with such and such a, a school, it makes it difficult. But we ex encourage them to be expansive. However, many of them for very good reasons cannot be. So for example, if, if a parents have uh, a teenage girls at home, uh, they may say, "Look, I, I'll be happy to care for a girl. I really am I comfortable with a teenage boy, right. uh, and, and vice versa." So they can certainly be descriptive. They can certainly make the requirements. We will look. We look to make our best efforts to meet their requirements and to work with them. Our goal is to obviously collaborate with them as much as possible, and to make sure it's a good fit. We want to make sure it's a good shidduch. We do not want to have a make a match on a Monday and have to remove the child on a Tuesday. It, it certainly is. It, it just further traumatizes the child. And it also makes for an unhappy foster parent. So once you take in all those those details, the type of kid, the uh, religious and emotional and all those things, I imagine that once you find the family, it's kind of like finding like a needle in a haystack. Yeah, it makes it. It's a challenge, and 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 the the reason really we're here is to is to is to is to explain that and to explain also why we require really a depth and breadth of our foster parents. We really need significantly more foster parents than we have children because each child 
require, we want to make the perfect fit or at least a, a reasonable fit for each child to make it work so the child can thrive and be successful. And to do that, uh, in both New York and New Jersey, uh, we really need many more foster parents. Uh, and as Derek mentioned, these are foster parents. I happen to know some people I knew from, from different communities I lived, and later on they became foster parents. They're regular people, good people, and now they're thriving. Now they became exceptional people. And today we're encouraging people, especially families in New Jersey, to at least just make that initial phone call. At least just hear a little bit more about it, see what it's about, see if this is something that, that you can do. Correct. Uh, correct. It's it's a it's a long process. I mean, the question you ask is sort of uh, almost in a way, you know, when someone says, "How do you decide to get married?" It, it's it's a long process here. The, uh, what we're hoping from this conversation that we're having um, uh, t- today is that at least people um, uh, amongst themselves discuss the possibility of investigating the possible prospect of becoming a foster parent, because it's a very, uh, uh, you know, it's a very uh, it takes it takes a long time in terms of the actual qualifi- eventual qualification, and then uh, whether someone actually you know receives a foster child is a whole separate issue. You know, and, and again, uh, there's a process of training and so forth, where um, not only obviously um, the whole professionals are themselves assessing whether this is a good shirak in terms of the parent and the family situation, but the parents themselves are obviously deciding, you know, is this really for me? Um, and so there's there's months, obviously, to consider amongst both parties to decide whether this is something that they really feel they can do. And then secondly, even once the uh, parents qualify as foster family, um, obviously in a situation where, for instance, a child comes into Ohul's care and, for instance, Ohul decides, you know, maybe the best family are the Cohens. The Cohens are obviously consulted and so forth um, and the decision is then made together whether the placement actually happens. So it's not like if you become a qualified foster parent, then that's it. You know, if Ohul has a child, you have to take the child and so forth. It's it's really just, uh, as Adam indicates, a necessity on our part to increase the, the pool of foster parents because, um, as you convey to the listeners, the, the complexity and dynamics of each child situation is very complex. And so therefore having a wealth of different and diverse foster families is in the child's best interest so that the match can be made that best serves the specific needs of that child. I have a question also, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners who might really actually be thinking about this now, it's an important question. What happens if it doesn't work out? What happens if you take the child in and you see that you can't manage? What What do you do then? Right, so that happens. That happens. Thankfully, it doesn't happen often, but it happens in practice and in theory. Uh, and, and we're here. OHEL is here, obviously. Uh, we have the responsibility at the end of the day to meet the needs of the child. Um, and there have been instances in which the foster parents, despite their best efforts and despite the provision of services that we provide to them and to the child, says, look, I just I just can't. Either the needs of the child are too great or family circumstances are such that I just cannot provide care anymore, whether the, a spouse passes away or they have their own, uh, their children require more care than they, they anticipated. And uh, they come back to us and we, God willing, find another home. Just highlighting Derek's point of the importance of having a depth of foster homes. Um, but the reality is, the reality is, is that if we're not able to provide a home, if we can't find a home, we don't just make them. These foster homes are just regular people like you and I. If we do not have homes, then unfortunately, uh, we won't be able to place the child. And and, 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 and the, we might revert. We would not want to revert back to the situation that preceded 1969 where their children were not necessarily placed uh, in Jewish homes. So we're here to provide 
Right. So I, I was thinking earlier that uh, Derek mentioned earlier that there's a misconception that there's a big home somewhere. Right. It, what happens if you don't find a placement for the child right away or if the foster situation isn't working out for whatever reason? Where does the child go? So there, there are times that the children's needs are so great that they exceed our ability to meet those needs. Just as if a child, uh, you know, goes to a certain doctor and he says, look, I can't, you need to go to the hospital. You need a higher level of care. So there have been instances in which, limited, very limited, where the children's needs are so great that they need to go to a residential facility um, that is not under auspices. We don't have a residential facility under contract uh, with ACS. Um, we do our best to arrange for the child's religious needs to be met, and most agencies are very responsive to that, and we certainly... Uh, are very open and, and happy and, and uh, hopeful that the child will be able to come back to our care when he when he or she has his mental health issues or behavioral issues addressed. Um, but there are other facilities, and, and there are times that children, there are no foster homes available for the child. Again, very limited. And we're really looking to get to the point where we don't have to have that as a possibility. That that weighs very heavily on us. Uh, we It's our responsibility, and we're, we're here to provide a loving home consistent with the law, which is really to provide homes that are sensitive to children's religion to all children. And it makes us very nervous. Uh, makes me nervous when we uh, when we don't feel like we have that depth of, of foster home. And that's why we're here today. That's why we've been doing our advertising. That's why we do our speaking. That's why we do our writing in the media to alert the public that this is a very real need. Um, it's not a theoretical need. It's a real practical need. And uh, we're looking for you, the listener out there, to hopefully give us a call, not to sign up on the spot, but to at least give us a phone call so we can hook you up with a foster parent to speak to a current foster parent, um, to speak to some of our staff, uh, to give you some literature to read, to educate you a bit more about the process. And we'll repeat the numbers here if you have a pen handy. You didn't have one before, 718-851-6300 in New York, 201-692-3972 in New Jersey, and um, just just to, uh, just to reiterate, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not a case that we, that you sign up on the spot. It's it's a, it's a case that we hope that obviously stimulates an interest, in which again you may consider perhaps whatever looking at foster care. But right. it's a long process, and we obviously and this is just the first yes, step. Correct, correct. And you can also email New Jersey at NJ at ohelfamily.org. Is that? Yes, we have, uh, as hopefully uh, many uh, listeners here in uh, New Jersey certainly are aware, uh, we have a regional center in New Jersey, the OHAL uh, New Jersey Behavioral Health and Family Center, which is on uh, 696 Palisades um, Avenue. Um, and uh, this regional center provides general counseling, trauma counseling, uh, and, a, and a host of uh, geriatric. Ger geriatric services. Um, and that number, is, as you indicated, is 201 692 I'm concerned about the attachments that might occur between a foster child and a foster family in the sense that, you know, they become very attached. And I'm thinking about it from both from both sides. On the one hand, the child has to be aware, as you said earlier, that the, the purpose of this is a temporary arrangement. And the goal would be eventually for the child to return to its to its birth family. And then on the other hand, I'm thinking about the attachment that the parents might create with the child, uh, you know, especially I would imagine if it's a baby for whom you're caring for for a long time and, you know, with those basic needs. And then even as they get older, meeting emotional needs um, after their time in the foster family is done, w where do the parents go with that attachment and where do the kids go? Yeah, those are very real, very real considerations. Um, 
part of the training and part of the ongoing relationship with the foster parent is to really inculcate uh, that this is a temporary arrangement, um, to work with the parent, the foster parent, towards the fact that the child, that the foster child, may be returned soon or may be returned in the near future. Foster parents have uh, some foster parents have. Uh, it's broken their hearts when, especially uh, childless couples. So people have to be prepared yeah, going yeah, into this process. It's not, it's not for everybody. Just as some foster parents, some people might say it's not for them. We have ourselves said some people are not for us. In other words, some for, some prospective foster parents, uh, we don't believe are appropriate or, or are appropriate, but perhaps they're not. They don't have a proper understanding and the ability to accept the relationship because it's a, it's ideally a temporary relationship right. uh, that sometimes doesn't work out to their. Their liking, it may work out to the state's liking. It may work out to the child's liking, not to their liking. Um, so we work with the foster parents to assess that and to train them on that and educate them on that and to walk them through that process. And in terms of the child, um, that's addressed also in therapy. You know, the child th- the child does develop relationships with the foster parents. Uh, times again, they do adopt the child or they do maintain this ongoing relationship. Even if the child returns home. Many foster parents have maintained an ongoing relationship with the child. Is that something that has to be okayed with the birth parents? Uh, at the end of the day, if a child returned to the birth parents, then the birth parents, depending on the age of the child, would have certainly some some decision making. Uh, if you return an older child, then the child in his or her own can just you know, give them a call, so to speak. What is the range, uh, by the way, of children yeah, that you place? Yeah, so children can come in care at birth. We've had children at birth up till 17 years and 364 days. The jurisdiction of the, of the of the court or ACS ends upon the 18th birthday of the child. They can stay into care till they're 21, but they can't come in until until they can only come in until they're. Once they're once they're eighteen, they can no longer come into care. So it's it's a whole the whole range of adolescence, the whole range of childhood. Um, so we work with through the child's therapist and through our own staff. We work with the child regarding attachment issues. That's a significant issue and significant focus of ours. Um, it's not an ideal system. Obviously, <laughs> it would be great if each child stays with their parents, their natural parents. But of course, uh, of course. But uh, we 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 try our best to accept the facts as they are and to work with the the, the individuals as they are. Uh, to to facilitate permanency. Well, if I could just add, that's that's again the reason why we're trying to increase the depth of uh, of foster parents out there, um, because um, you know typically uh, within again I think I, I articulated earlier the two types of uh, foster foster parents foster families. Uh, typically within the foster family that already has their biological children. Um, uh, yes, they obviously develop attachments. Yes, there obviously are incredible emotions involved. But yes, the foster family um, does not seek the child to remain there the entire time. Uh, and uh, they want to give the child love. They want to provide care. But when the child is then then later removed and, uh, for instance, placed back with the uh, biological parents or another foster family, that's part of the process that they engage. Um, with other types of foster parents, as uh, Adam uh, uh, spoke about, yes, it can be more of an emotional challenge, particularly, obviously, uh, foster parents who are childless and where uh, you know, their focus is not only to provide love and care, but permanent love and care, of course. So that's a different situation. What are some of the long-term effects on the kids in the foster system? I mean, being with the, the positive effects of being with a, with a great foster family. What are we doing for the well, children? I, th- I think that, I think that uh, uh, what has happened to these children uh, that have been through the system with an OHO is a reflection of um, the tremendous positive outcomes. 
um, so many of our foster children who are now you know grown adults uh, in their 30s and 40s um, have uh, got married have uh, wonderful marriages and wonderful families of their own stable relationships and in many of the in many of these cases in fact many of these former foster children um, are now oho foster foster parents wow um, that they've embraced the cause it's something that they were part of uh, and they feel that it's something that's very important for their own children to experience so um, you know I'm not going to paint a, a broad brush that everything's melancholy and you know uh, everybody turns out okay uh, and better but uh, generally speaking uh, these children were and are afforded um, a, a, an environment in their life uh, where they can thrive and where they grow, um, unlike before in a home of abuse or neglect. And they uh, most often um, uh, benefit to the extent that they uh, themselves um, come out with a, you know, develop their own family. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, of, of love and care that they then provide to your own children. I'm glad to hear you say that because, you know, the Jewish community is a small place. And I, I'm wondering if there's any sort of stigma of being a foster child that sort of follows you. I, I would imagine so. I, I can't help but think there wouldn't be. Um, again, what, what we try certainly uh, as much as possible. We, 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 we to, you know, obviously, the confidentiality of the child is very important. That's something that's fundamental to training, and that's, that's stressed. Um, we try to provide the child, the foster children, the same opportunities, the same experiences as, as, as non-foster children. But it's hard to argue that uh, children, a child removed from his parents' care, um, may or may not become public, um, may not become known. And certainly, there's a stigma attached to it. OHAL spends a lot of time... Derek spends a lot of time on anti-stigma work across the community, whether it's for mental illness, development of disabilities, forced to care. Uh, stigma is a whole different topic, which could be another another radio broadcast. Right. But uh, it, it's hard to argue not. Um, but um, we try to normalize the relationship for the child as much as possible and give them the skills so they can be successful adults. Uh, and many children have really, have really taken this horrible adversity that they were faced uh, that they faced and really used it in a very positive way. Like like it's uh, like a lot of the psychologists can probably say, from the adversity comes the strength, and 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 and, and force the children to come back to us and basically express the fact that um, well, certainly not appreciative of the experience, they 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 find that they've gained from the experience. So they're coming out stronger. Stronger, right? In a sense. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, we certainly don't have, we certainly have ye as yet have not developed uh, T-shirts that say, you know, I was once a, a foster child. Right. Uh, we may have T-shirts for foster parents that proudly can say that, you know, I, I've been a no foster parent. But uh, thank God, you know, attitudes are changing. There is no question that there is still tremendous stigma. But for instance, if you go to our website uh, where you go to, o and, and you go to Oho Foster Care, you'll find a number of videos of former foster children uh, and foster parents who speak about their, their experience and uh, speak about um, the general So you can hear firsthand correct, correct. from the children what the impact has been on them That is correct. today. Correct. Yeah. What happens with siblings? If you have a, a home with siblings, how do you figure out where they go? Yes, yeah, so the, uh, the, the philosophy of the city and the philosophy of OHEL and all agencies is basically to keep siblings together as much as possible. Right. Another, another reason why it's so important to have a depth of foster homes um, in order to place three or four siblings, you need three or four beds in that home. So therefore, we need a depth of homes. Um, you know, we try to minimize the trauma, obviously. So if you can keep siblings together, at least they have that familiar unit uh, uh, together. Um, if siblings cannot be placed together due to either there's some intra 
sibling abuse, which unfortunately does take place. Well. <coughs> what are other variables? <coughs> we're, we, we're, we're obligated. We diligently uh, arrange sibling visitation so siblings can maintain contact on an ongoing basis or regular basis. And um, that's, that's, a, that's a crucial component of what we do. Just highlighting once again the importance of having a good number of foster homes. If a foster child, if siblings removed in Brooklyn, we look to place them in Brooklyn, from Queens and Queens. Therefore, it's not just having one home who can take siblings in, it's having 15 or 20 different homes who can take siblings in. Right. I mean, I was going to ask you also earlier, and I know we spoke about this uh, off the air in, in our pre interview. Um, because you mentioned, Derek, earlier that you got a lot of phone calls in a previous campaign from people out of New York. Um, are you allowed to place children out of New York if you get good I'll, families? I'll, I'll defer to Adam on that. Yes. Yeah, so so children removed from New York City, um, ideally a place in New York City, ideally a place in the borough of their removal. A, a child removed from Brooklyn is ideally placed in Brooklyn. And that's certainly our, our philosophy and that's certainly our the way in which we approach the case. However, there are times in which that's not feasible. Uh, for example, a large sibling group is a great example. Uh, if a large sibling group is removed, uh, let's just say, from Brooklyn, uh, there may not be a home that can take three, four, five, right. even six potentially siblings in. So therefore, if we have a home in Long Island, for example, who can meet that need, then we would look towards them. Just out of curiosity, what's the biggest family you've placed? How, um, many, how many siblings? I can think of families who had five or six different children. I could think of potentially even more, but that was before my time. So we're looking, usually the way it would work, if, if one child is removed, they're all removed. In other words, uh, you wouldn't have a situation, it's unlikely to have a situation where um, the, the parent is a substance abuser and, and or, or an alcoholic and the children are being beaten and they remove you know three kids and leave four or, or vice versa. So right. usually if, if there's abuse going on, there's abuse going on. If there's physical abuse, there's physical abuse. Even if only one or two of the children are being physically or sexually abused, you're not going to keep the other kids there, right? obviously. So therefore, it's it's really all or nothing, so to speak. Not always, but uh, usually. And it's not uncommon at all for us to have two, three, four siblings removed. And again, we try our best to place them together. You know, it's really such a sad reality the way that you describe it. And, you know, we just have uh, a couple of minutes left. And I know we've said this earlier, but to recap... Because our goal here is to encourage people to think about becoming foster parents, especially in New Jersey. What is in it, really, for the foster parents? I I, th- I think the the question can be answered twofold. I think the question is what is what is in it for the particular parents, but I think it's also a gre- a sense of uh, you know as, as members of the community in Clal Israel of what is in it for the whole community. And, uh, that's a great point. And I think if no one's stepping forward, that's a, that is a terrible sign in terms of our, our community and in, in response to such a critical need. Um, I think as as we've indicated, as Adam has has expressed, um, if you ask uh, our foster foster families um, in terms of their experience of having foster children, they will all inevitably say that they, their family life was immeasurably enriched. They will all probably also say that they were very hesitant. They couldn't believe what they were, what they were doing. That family and friends thought they were crazy. Right. Um, it, 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 that initially it was no easy process. But that the experience inevitably was one, again, um, that not only enriched 
the child, which is obviously the most important concern, but that immeasurably enrich their own family life. And, 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 and we see it, you know, obviously this has been for 43 years that we provided the service. So we see the outgrowth um, and the dynamics of these and the impact of these relationships on, on families. We obviously have a record. And when we see and we meet um, uh, foster families, and we see how profoundly they've been in, uh, impacted for the good. It, it, it inspires us, certainly here at Ohol. Um, we see, for instance, you know, uh, uh, biological children who went into areas of professional careers that they never thought they would get into, whether it's social work or some aspect of giving back to, back to the community. Uh, it, it, there's no question it profoundly, uh, profoundly affects them. And, um, and again, I think that the, 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 lar the larger picture is also for us as a community uh, and, and, and importantly as individuals to step forward, where again, the challenge particularly here in the tri-state area is that because we are such a large community, uh, that there's very often a sense of false security uh, where um, even when, when people uh, become aware of the need, the, there's, a, there's a greater sense um, to step back uh, you know, with the presumption that someone else will come forward and someone else will take take care of the child, where right. whereas the record has shown, uh, and again as we try to articulate, uh, we're constantly challenged to find uh, a wealth of foster parents because ultimately. Um, the child is best served by making uh, you know the best possible match uh, 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 with their particular situation, and that calls for breadth and diversity of foster parents, uh, f uh, a pool from which we can look at. We're just about out of time here, Adam. A last word. Um, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you so much for allowing us to bring the sisters to the attention of uh, hopefully a large uh, number of people. Uh, all we ask is basically that you go back home to your spouses or to yourself. Individuals also could be forced to parents uh, and give it a couple of minutes of thought. Uh, give us a phone call. Speak to some of our foster care staff. Let us hook you up with a forced parent. Uh, have a discussion. Uh, you're not, it doesn't cost you a nickel and it won't cost you more than a couple of minutes, but it could actually alter your life. Uh, it really could make a difference in the life of your life, the life of your children, the life of a child. Um, as Derek, we've been mentioning, these are regular people who do it. These are not the superheroes. These are regular people just like you and I who make a decision that they're going to jump in deliberately, thoughtfully, and potentially change the life of a child. Well, well thank you guys so much for bringing this issue to our attention and for talking with me today. And to all our listeners, again, if you have any questions, if you missed something, you can contact me at randy at nachamsegel.com. And just the numbers of our office once again, New Jersey, 201-692-3972, and in Brooklyn, for New York City, 718-851-6300. And we hope today that we've given you something to talk about right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks very much. Let's give them something.